think you want to see this? Oh, no, this is Earth, isn't it? Where did he come from? The power to save the world is in your hands. Next, on May 6th. You're big. I want bigger. The summer begins with a blast. I hope you're not crazy. <laughs> May 6th. This film is not yet rated. Yes, that's a TV spot from the new Marvel movie that's out, Thor. And you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi with Rico. And today is May the 8th, 2011. Today is going to be podcast 330 for the show. Welcome to um, Trex in Sci-Fi, everyone, for this week. Uh, if you're new, welcome. If you've been here for a long time, also welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Uh, I'll be talking a little bit about Thor since I saw it on opening day on Friday. Uh, just a brief review. Uh, try to keep it pretty spoiler-free, uh, of course. Uh, but I think uh, it was it was a really good movie. I, I enjoyed it. I'll, t- I'll talk more about that uh, shortly. Uh, but the main uh, topic for this week, we're going to go back to Trek and cover uh, a Deep Space Nine episode called Things Past, which involves... Uh, Sort of a look back at Deep Space Nine uh, when it was called Tarek Nor, and uh, I think it's a, a pretty cool episode. I, I always like those kind uh, that, that sort of give you some history and, and background information. So that is going to be on today's show. Probably just play the episode and comment along with it as you guys listen. Uh, cover a few other things, including uh, some collectible discussion later in the podcast, especially about the new QMX released uh, Star Trek movie, uh, the J.J. Abrams movie, uh, Star Trek uh, phaser that they had. Uh, the rep, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, always hard to get going on these occasionally. The um, They did a stunt replica of the phaser from the 09 Abrams movie, and I'll be reviewing that. And Brian also sent in a comment. We've got a comment from Will on Thor and uh, just a whole lot more fun. So sit back, relax, and uh, here we go with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, again, welcome to the podcast uh, for this week, everyone, geeks uh, uh, of all kinds <laughs> who listen to this show. Uh, the uh, Always, uh, I, I try to gather up and look for the a few minutes or maybe an hour, actually, I don't know how long I spent, 45 minutes to an hour this morning, kind of hunting on my typical geeky type websites, trying to grab some news stories, things to uh, share with you guys for the week. And uh, I, I, I've discovered, I've, I've thought about this for a little while, and I, I think we need to coin a term for this. And maybe there already is a ter- term for it, but do you, the, 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 what I'm trying to describe or the term that I'm looking for is, you know when you're on, like, say you're on, uh, like I go to trekmovie.com quite a bit, uh, and, and some other, uh, there's other Trek news websites, but uh, 
and then you'll uh, you'll be there and you'll and you'll see on something a little link or whatever and then you'll click on that like a YouTube video or whatever it happens to be and then that leads you to another link and then you go to that page and then they talk about some other story and then that leads you to another and eventually you don't even know what you were looking for and, and you've you've opened like you know eight 10, 12 more tabs <laughs> in your browser. And, and this process of, of being sort of almost semi-distracted or, or whatever it is as you're, as you're looking on the web for, you know, one thing, looking up, like, say, uh, stories on the new Star Trek movie for next summer uh, in 2012, and, and then eventually I'm finding pictures of, of you know, you know, comic book uh, people in, in costume at, at Comic-Con, or I don't know, whatever, it leads you to the other things. But we need a term for that, like, you know, internet uh, browsing, uh, you know, where you just get sucked into this little black hole of, like, link after link after link. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. Did, I, does it happen to you guys out there? I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. And uh, I think it happens to most people if you're just sort of casually browsing around on, on the web. It, it, I guess it's like channel, you know, surfing the web. I guess maybe that's kind of it. But I don't. I think there's something more to it than that. This is just like link that connects you to another link that connects you to another link, uh, rather than uh, you know when you channel surf, people will call it on TV where you're just flipping channels. I don't think that's quite the same thing because you're just kind of randomly doing it there. This this is you know one site that has a link that leads you to. Uh, that linked site, and then that site that you go to has another link on its page, and it leads you to another. And I've probably talked way too much about this little uh, phenomenon, but I, I just wanted to mention it. And then, you know, I look up, and an hour has passed by. But uh, a couple things, though, I wanted to pass on more geeky-type subjects. Uh, this uh, past week, we had uh, happy Star Wars Day for this year that's been... I don't know when this got started, but at some point in time, May, May the 4th, uh, of the calendar year, May May 4th, turned into uh, Star Wars Day. And obviously it's a little play on words because it's you can go around to people and say, uh, may the 4th be with you, and it sounds like may the force be with you, of course. So, But the uh, Lucasfilm and George and you know his whole cadre of employees and everyone decided to pick this day to announce all the details of the upcoming Blu-ray set that's coming out in September. I don't even know, and I should have looked a little bit more closely, I don't even know if they actually have uh, a specific release date yet. Uh, I'll try to look when I take a break here. Oh, no, never mind, they do. It's it's right in the release, duh. I guess that they did release that information. Yeah, to be released uh, on September 12th internationally and on September 16th in North America. So there we go. And, of course, the 16th of September is probably a Tuesday because that's typically when new stuff comes out. Although not always. Like the last Harry Potter movie that they released on DVD and Blu-ray, I think, came out like on a Friday, I think is what I I remember seeing. You know, just to be a little unique, I guess. So, anyway, this uh, monster uh, Blu-ray or DVD set, I guess you can get... uh, I don't know, actually, is it a DVD set, too, or is it just the Blu-ray set? Gosh, I'm really well-informed. I was I was doing that, uh, you know, surfing or whatever you want to call it on the Internet too much. I guess this is just a Blu-ray set. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're actually going to put this all this stuff out on DVD or not. I, I don't think these extra uh, features that is going to be included in this, which, you know, these days a lot of, you know, everyone basically is is getting into having a Blu-ray player. They're they're a lot less expensive than they were, 
you can easily pick up uh, an inexpensive Blu-ray player for the price that DVD players had gotten, you know, that had gotten down to, you know, easily under 100 bucks, probably at Walmart sometimes, 70-ish, things like that. And they obviously play DVDs too, and the price of Blu-rays have come down quite a bit. So uh, you can read about all this over at StarWars.com, of course. The details, it's a, uh, it, a nine-disc set. The one thing that uh, I, I know some people haven't been too happy about, as far as I know, this collection, it can only be bought as a set. It is not going to be like you can just buy uh, The Empire Strikes Back on Blu-ray. I don't think that is going to take place at this time. I think in the future I could easily see that happening where they have uh sorry about that little that's my little uh i have an email coming or whatever type uh signal i'll turn i'll turn that uh, sound off on that sorry about that little beep or noise but it, yeah for now it's just a nine disc blu-ray set uh, that's coming out there's a lot of cool extra features there's a couple of things i'm disappointed in in this just a little bit i mean overall it's awesome i mean to have star wars on blu-ray all the movies and everything is going to be great but uh, a couple things one being for me at least uh, and you know this is just my personal ideas and, and thoughts as always on the show the I kind of wish some of these uh, that they had taken the these deleted scenes. They've been making a big deal out of some of the deleted scenes for these movies, uh, from you know a couple scenes in Empire Strikes Back, uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, a scene where Luke is is building his his uh, lightsaber that we see him using in Return of the Jedi, and that. But it doesn't appear that you are going to be able to watch the movie with those scenes sort of slipped into the movie like re-edited in or any any option in Blu-ray, which I always thought they kept touting, you know, these Blu-rays and, and, and even when HD was around or just HD DVD, that there was ways to manipulate, you know, the, the, the content and do that, you know, features and that. But obviously they have to, you know, prepare the disc that way. But yeah, these are just going to be like uh, disc nine is or is it never mind sorry not i'm looking at the list here disc nine is is documentaries of star wars disc let's see number eight is all like the extra stuff from episodes four through six deleted extended alternate scenes prop maquette and the costume uh turnarounds map paintings concept art interviews cast and crew and more so uh, anyway that's just one thing something i wish they had done you know allow you to to see them edited into the uh the stories Obviously, these movies have been changed and altered and edited a, a, a gazillion times now. Uh, and uh, the other thing would be, and another thing people have mentioned for a long, long time, ever since he did the special editions, is that I wish there was uh, a version on these of the original theatrical releases, you know, without the changes that he made with the special editions. And I don't, in general, mind the special editions. They don't bother me that much. A couple little things always feel a little off to me just because I was so used to for so many years knowing the originals. But the uh, I, I just wish, again, that you had the ability to watch the original version, too, on these. Uh, and all of this leads me to, of course, the idea and thought that everyone of, it always has, especially with Lucas and what he puts out, is that, you know, this isn't the end-all, be-all. There'll be other releases, I, I can guarantee it, in other ways and other forms. So it's it's, you know, that's to be expected. But this is a pretty nice set, I have to admit. You get nine discs, lots of extra material, lots of documentaries, audio commentaries for all the movies, uh, you know, with George Lucas and some of the cast. A lot of times it looks like Carrie Fisher is involved. 
Uh, they've got, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed that we don't have more of the actors involved in the commentaries. Uh, so it's, I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Although they say there's two different commentary tracks listed on these. And one of them just says audio commentary uh, with uh, cast and crew from arch- archival interviews. So, you know, yeah, that's okay. But, you know, don't get the wrong idea. I am just, you know, pleased as pleased as punch. There's an old expression. <laughs> I am just very happy that we're going to finally get these out on Blu-ray. I mean, they've been showing HD versions of uh, the Star Wars movies over on Spike and in other ways, in other channels uh, for a while now. So it's 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 high time that this happened and and uh you know good very 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 good so thanks george and thanks lucasfilm and in september we'll all be slapping down our whatever they cost anywhere you know hundred dollars or a little less there's probably going to be all kinds of extra little promotional items i don't have a breakdown of all that right now but um so that's what I wanted to mention related to that. I'm going to take a short break, get a little drink of some tea, come back with a couple other stories and, and, and my commentary or my thoughts about uh, the Thor movie. And while I am away uh, taking a short break, listen to what uh, Will has to say about the Thor movie, and I'll come back with my thoughts. Hello, everybody. This is Will. Will we go on the forums? Looking forward to hearing what Rico has to say about this week's Deep Space Nine episode. But the reason I wanted to send in this comment is about the movie Thor. Me and my wife went and seen the first showing of it uh, yesterday. And we just saw it in 2D. We didn't want to pay the extra for the 3D. And I don't know if it would have really been worth it or not anyway. But I did want to say about the Thor movie, if you get the chance, definitely go see it. I believe it's one of the best written superhero movies so far. And even though I really enjoyed um, some of the X-Men movies and Hulk movies from before, I just think the story in this one was just very well done. And of course, the, I thought the actors in this was great, including Chris Hemsworth, you know, who plays Thor, but especially Natalie Portman and um, Anthony Hopkins, of course, is Odin. I mean, how can you not like a performance from somebody like him in a superhero movie? The special effects in this movie are really, really good. Anybody that's a superhero fan should enjoy it excuse me, should enjoy this movie. Definitely uh, take the time and go see it. It's definitely worth it. Well, I hope everybody enjoys their day. Thanks a lot, Rico. And talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks very much for your comments, Will, and your thoughts on Thor. Uh, Yeah, I went to see it uh, opening day Friday. I had, uh, for the first time uh, in a long time, First time with my new job, I had a day off, took a day off, vacation day, and my younger son is just finished up with his this uh, school year at college, although he is going back in about a week to take some summer classes. But we went to see Thor on uh, Friday afternoon, and we really liked it. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it I think uh, a couple things. I think the direction by uh, by Kenneth Branagh it was was really well done. I think the story was was good and tight. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who worked on Babylon Five and has written a lot of comics over the years, worked on the uh, the story for it or the script or both. I don't know. I know there are other people I think that worked on it as well. But Thor is a, a, a tricky character to to do and to translate. Uh, I think to both movies and just modern times. You know, you've got this 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 god, uh, you know, of thunder. 
in the comics, uh, you know, living on Asgard and the Rainbow Bridge and all that kind of, in a way, kind of goofy stuff to to bring that to the, the world of like 2010, 2011 is is not an easy task. He isn't like a Spider-Man or, a, or an Iron Man, which I think are, are much more uh, contemporary type heroes. You know, Thor is a, is a really tricky um, concept and a, and a tricky character, I think, to pull off without being too silly, too goofy, or or even too serious either way. But I think they really uh, did a good job at, at hitting that right balance of the two. They didn't overdo the humor, and they didn't make it too serious either. And there was a nice blend. I thought they kept a good blend of what's going on in Asgard and what's going on back on Midgard or Earth. Uh, and, uh, you know, there wasn't, I don't think, a, a too much of one or the other. I think they had a nice balance of the two. The thing about a lot of the previews for this movie, I, I feel like they've they've shown more probably of the Earth side stuff than they did about the Asgard things. And that kind of makes sense because if you're going to advertise and want to get people in there, you're not going to show a lot of weird Play, you know, weird stuff that's going on, and, and although they have shown some of the stuff when Thor's fighting, like the Frost Giants, you see that in the commercials, so no big surprise there. But yeah, it, it's a good movie, and I think the guy Chris Hemsworth, who was in the Star Trek movie at the beginning, he played George Kirk in the 09 Abrams film, he does a great job as, as, as Thor. Uh, there's, again, I think it's a very tricky character to pull off, he has to be sort of a, a larger-than-life type hero character and, and be a little arrogant at times, and, and also, but also a little bit humble at times, too. So, again, yeah, I, I, just, I think they, they picked a great guy to play the part. Like Marvel's been basically doing, really, they've really hit a, a good you know, spot for uh, you know, picking actors that match the characters pretty well. I think they've really done a good job. You know, I was a big fan of Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Uh, Andrew Garfield, who's taking over Spider-Man now, I think will be a good good fit, too, for a younger uh, version of him. We've got uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. That was a good a good fit there. So they've, you know, they've been really hitting it pretty well. Uh, the Hulk characters, you know, they've changed the, the actors for those a few times now. And even in Avengers, it's going to be even a new guy playing uh, the Hulk and Bruce Banner. So that's, that's uh, you know, I think that's happening beyond the reasons for the actors. I think there's just, I don't think it's really that they were unhappy with the actors playing the parts. I think they were just trying to, where they were having a hard time. I know Ed Norton, who did the last Hulk movie, I think they were having trouble getting him to come and do Avengers. So they went off when, and got someone else to do that. So getting off uh, the Thor movie topic a little bit, they did have, uh, I will warn people, Make sure you stay through the credits if you really are, are one of those fans that likes to see every little thing. But they do the same thing again in this as they did after Iron Man. And, and they there's a little tiny little short scene at the end after the credits. It involves, of course, again, Nick Fury uh, and, and Sa uh, Sam or Sam Jackson playing Nick Fury. And it kind of sets up a little bit, I guess, of things going, you know, maybe that will be involved in the Avengers. Again, I won't say too much about that. It's pretty short. I don't think actually it was as interesting a scene as some of the other ones they've done, but yeah, that's that's you know not a big deal. So the uh, I guess the bottom line is you know you should definitely go see it. I saw it in glorious uh, not 3D. <laughs> Didn't want to pay the extra money, and I, I you know I've made my opinion pretty well known on the podcast that I think 3D is just a fad. It's a gimmick. Yes, yes, yes. 
and it is not necessary. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. And I'll say that till the end of time. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. 3D can't make a crappy movie a good movie. And I don't think it makes a good movie really that much better, if at all. So uh, I and I'll stand by that for a long, long time. <laughs> so, you know, and it. Yeah. Well, we won't get into that again. Uh, what else? Uh, I guess it's about all about Thor. I, I, I definitely suggest, like, like I said, see it at the theaters. It's got a lot of cool effects and action, of course. And that's it, to me, that's always worth seeing it on the big screen. So so check it out and try to stay up with uh, the summer films like I talked about on last week's video cast. I hope that that uh, wasn't too huge of a file for all you guys to download. I, I, someday I will have better stuff and gear and equipment to do a better job on that. I know there were some, don't think it's your equipment, but there were some audio sync issues where the, the audio got a little out of sync with the video at a couple points in it. So sorry about that. That has to do with converting files from one format to another. And that, uh, that sometimes happens. I, I just, um, it just happens. And I probably could have tweaked and played around with it a lot longer and, and more and, and fixed it, but it's, uh, it's the way it goes sometimes. So, uh, The uh, next topic, I'm not going to take a break yet. I want to take a break just before we get into the Deep Space Nine episode. But I will pass on just a few things uh, related to uh, geeky things uh, and Star Trek and other stuff. Uh, one thing I want to remind everybody about, if you're a Smallville fan or maybe even if you're not, uh, the final episode after 10 seasons of Smallville is going to be out coming on this Friday on uh, the CW here in the States, at least. Uh, I am really looking forward to this. They've been really uh, advertising for it. It's a two-hour season finale. Uh, Michael uh, Rosenbaum is coming back as Lex Luthor. We are going to, I think, at least see Clark uh, slash Superman in the actual red and blue flying around at some point. <laughs> Hopefully not for the last 10 seconds of the, of the episode. I, I, I really... I really don't think that'll happen. You know, my prediction is is we will get at least maybe you know a few minutes uh, where he 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 puts on the suit and the public sees him and and you know I I'd, I'd love it if we get a look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. I I think that would be a great touch. I don't know if they'll do that. That would be kind of neat. Uh, there was some pretty big things that happened on the very last episode of Smallville from Friday that changed some stuff that's been going on. So I, I want to see how that all plays out. Uh, but and it involved uh, a little bit involved uh, things involving uh, Lois and Clark and their situation and relationship. So, but it's going to be good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I also enjoyed the season finale of Fringe that was on Friday. Oh my gosh, that episode was unbelievable. I, I just think it was. I think they've done a great job this season. The last maybe. Uh, you know, four or five episodes of Fringe have really just pushed things in a, in a new direction, and they keep it fresh, and I, I'm enjoying the heck out of it, and, it, and I'm so happy that Fringe, uh, you know, is going to be one of the few uh, genre sci-fi fantasy series that is going to be back uh, in the fall. There's a lot of them that aren't, and there's some they haven't told us about, like No Ordinary Family and V they haven't announced, although I'm predicting... I'm predicting right now both those series are gone. That we will not see any more of those. I don't know. I, I hold out a little bit more hope or 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 a little more luck possibly for V, but no ordinary family I think is going to be gone. Which I it's a shame for both I think, uh, but that's just my predictions. They haven't officially announced that yet. Uh, what else has been going on? 
there's new Doctor Who. Uh, we've got uh, Sanctuary still running on Monday nights. A couple more episodes of Big Bang Theory this year. So it's uh, the seasons uh, are, are winding down, and, and we're getting into the summer movie time. And there will be some new sci-fi to see on TV, at least over the uh, summer with Eureka and Warehouse 13 coming back. Uh, speaking of the Sci-Fi Channel, we've got the final episode two of uh, the series finale of Stargate Universe this week as well, which is also a sad thing. Uh, not as really as sad as Smallville. Smallville got a good long run, 10 seasons, but uh, Stargate Universe is just... I think people over the years, as time goes on, once they people will watch this series, I think kind of like Star Trek Enterprise, they're going to come to realize and appreciate this was a great Stargate series, and it, it really deserves to go on a lot longer. They've really built a nice sort of dimension to the characters and a storyline and everything going on, and it's it's going to be sad. Maybe someday we'll get a little TV movie or a follow-up. I'm not sure how it's going to end. I, I, I doubt they had time to really wrap things up properly, so that's going to be kind of a shame. So, uh, On the Star Trek front, not a huge amount going on. I will be at a convention next weekend, uh, the Motor City Comic Con in, in Novi, on Saturday, next Saturday. Uh, I think that's the... Is it the 14th? I think it's the 14th of May in Novi. I, I will be there um, seeing uh, some Star Trek celebs. Brent Spiner is going to be there. Kate Mulgrew, uh, a few others. Uh, we're going to have uh, probably a good time, I think. It, it looks like a nice big one, and they're going to have some fun stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, they're still, according to J.J. Abrams and some latest things on Trek Movie, they're still working on this script. I, I don't know what's up with these guys, uh, Damon Lindloff and, and and the you know the other guys, Alex, uh, sorry, Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi working on this story. Um, this is some of what day, uh, uh, sorry, uh, what J.J. has been saying. Uh, Damon is working on the script for this. Uh, J.J. he says he's been busy uh, on with Super Eight, the film he's working on for this summer. Uh, I remember that when we did the first one, Damon was busy with Lost. So it's going to be cool to have him on board as a writer, too. He's got some amazing ideas. Uh, I'm thrilled and optimistic it's going to get where it needs to get, too. So I don't know if he's bringing Damon in to uh, do some work with uh, Orsi and Kurtzman on the script or, or what's going on. Maybe he's not happy with some of it. I don't know. I, I don't want to say too much because some of these uh, quotes and, and, and stories that get out there can be kind of taken out of contest contest context not contest no contest uh and uh abrams also says he hasn't quite announced if he's going to direct or not the sequel uh he's saying the truth my focus has been so much on finishing super eight that it's something i'm looking forward to but with an incredibly compressed post-production schedule there hasn't been a whole lot of time for me to be working with the writers now that super eight is drawing to a close in terms of this post schedule i'm looking forward to jumping in and hopefully getting that ready as soon as possible so you know, they've got, uh, they're coming down. It's May. Uh, the, the movie uh, Trek 12, whatever it'll be called, is still due to come out on June 29th, 2012. Whether that will happen or not, I'm starting to get a little worried myself. I could easily see it getting pushed till Christmas time that year. I don't know if that'll happen, but they've, uh, I think they've got a lot to do in a very short time period. So we'll see. 
A lot of the actors you see on things like Twitter and other places have been mentioning that this fall they've been told, you know, to hold off and they've got, uh, you know, scheduling their calendar for the fall, like August, September, October to do filming. But I still think that the uh, post-production time is going to be pretty tight. So we'll see. I could be uh, mistaken. You know, maybe it will still make it the, till, uh, to coming out in June. We'll see. I hope it does. I think it's I, – I like Star Trek in the summer better than I do in the winter, at least. I think I, I, I think they've got a potential to make more money. I think people like it. I think the the 09 movie did a great job uh, during the summer that year coming out early in the season in May. So we will see what happens. And with that, i got to take a break, and then we will get into the Deep Space Nine episode uh, for this week. All right, here we go with the episode from Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Things Past. It was your idea to attend the conference in the first place, Garrick. Uh, they're aboard a runabout. We've got Dax, Cisco, Garrick, and Odo. Philosophical view. Opposing view? Garrick, you were trying to defend the military occupation of their world. How grateful did you think they would be? My understanding of this conference was that it was supposed to be an examination uh, Garrick, of the occupation. Uh, played by the wonderful Andrew Robinson, always Instead, great. Everyone went out of their way to dismiss virtually everything I had to say. I thought the Vizorans bent over backwards to be polite to you, Garrick. Giving me a name tag that read Elim Garrick, former Cardassian oppressor, was hardly polite. <laughs> and what did you want it to say? Yeah. Former spy? Yeah, former spy would, would be a little liked better. was less posturing and more debate. It's clear to me now that the Bajorans aren't really interested in discovering historical truth as much as they are in promoting the myths and legends of the glorious resistance. Well, Odor wasn't a member of the resistance, and he managed to attract a fair amount of attention. Yes. It seems you have quite a fan club on Bajor. I half expected you to be signing autographs at the end. Don't let him get to you, Odo. You should be proud of what you did during the occupation. I have nothing to be proud of. I tried to bring order to a chaotic situation, that's all. You need to give yourself more credit, Constable. Keeping order during the occupation would be a tough job for anyone. But you not only did it, you did it by earning the trust of both sides. What this is uh, one of Rene Aubergeois's favorite episodes. He's stated a few times. Was justice? And the legend is born. Now we're back, uh, showing Deep Space Nine. Worf is uh, in charge while the Sir, others are away. Captain Sisko's runabout is approaching the station. Very well. Clear them for docking on landing pad one. Aye, sir. Commander, something's wrong. They're not responding. And sensors show unusual EM signatures along their hull. Oh no, unusual EM signatures. Four. Very weak. Disengage the autopilot. Bring the runabout to within transporter range. Dr. Bashir to transporter room five. Medical emergency. So Bashir and Wharf and a security guard just... Uh, boarded the runabout. Uh, everyone seems to be unconscious. He's alive, but there's an excess of neural energy in his cerebral cortex. What does that mean? I'm not sure of that. Can you revive them? I'm not sure of that either. Well, what are you sure of, Doctor? Come on now. <laughs> and now it appears that uh, 
they're they're waking up. Uh, Cisco is waking up somewhere else, but they're in different uh, type of clothing, and it looks to be kind of like Deep Space Nine, but not quite. Things are darker, grimier, gritty, and there's a lot of uh, people kind of wandering around, look kind of lost and and sad. It's obviously Tarek Nor. All right, so we're going into, you know, obviously the opening credit stuff, Deep Space Nine. Let me look up here, and oh, I already did have it opened on the web. A little bit of background on this uh, episode. It's written by Michael Taylor. Uh, this episode was also directed by LeVar Burton, so Jordy uh, directed this one. And it first aired back on November 18th, 1996, so about 15 or so years ago. This was, again, during Season 5. It was Episode 8 of that season. And uh, it's it's a really interesting tale. I don't want to say too much if you're not all that familiar with it. Dial down this music a little bit. But uh, this is, um, in a way, sort of another uh, follow-up uh, to that uh, episode. For, I think it was from Season 2 of Deep Space Nine called uh, Necessary Evil, where we get to learn a little bit about uh, Deep Space Nine back when it was called Tarek Nor during the Cardassian occupation. Remember, this is a Cardassian uh, space station. It was built uh, near Bajor during the the occupation of that world. And when it was occupied for such a long time by the the Cardassians, Odo was uh, in charge of security there, even though he wasn't really a big fan of the Cardassians and, and that situation. But like he said in the opening bit there, he tried to maintain the order and peace in, in a very difficult uh, time and a, and a situation on Tarek Nor, and this episode is going to sort of explore a little bit more of that time period uh, in the past when the Cardassians were in charge of uh, this uh, this station above Bajor. So I'm going to get right back uh, to the episode right now. It looks like Cisco is the first one to wake up. He's kind of on the ground. Somebody she helps him up. Dignity. Look at you. No wonder the Cardassians think we're animals. Get up. Get up. If you're going to spend the night taking chemicals, stay off the promenade. We don't need another cleansing today. So they all look pretty much like they normally look, but they're in different clothing. I agree more. Again, we've got Dax, Cisco, Garrick, and Odo. And now back in the sort of normal time and present. Activity, which suggests that their conscious minds are still active, and yet there's no response to external stimuli. What's the word on the runabout? We have found preliminary indications that the ship encountered a Class II plasma storm, which irradiated the vessel. Computer. Are the neural readings for subjects Odo, Cisco, Dax, and Garak consistent with the effects of encountering a Class II plasma storm? There are no recorded causal relationships between plasma storms and specified neural readings. None. Computer, how many medical records are there on space plasma phenomena? 5,021. Well, it would appear 
that a comet phenomena has had an uncommon effect on our people. Well, the runabout is still being analyzed. We should have more information soon. Good. In the meantime, I have some reading to do. Pull out your iPad, uh, Doctor, and read some, uh, you know, old plasma storm information. So now we're again, we're back this on Turk North. This is during the occupation. Time travel? Uh, no, it's more than that. Our clothes have changed. Could we be in a hollow suite? Computer, in program. Let's assume that's a no for the moment. Benjamin, we're not attracting any attention. And we should be. Humans, trills, and changelings didn't just stroll through Terraknor unnoticed. Well, then I should be getting some attention as well. We are in the Bajoran sector, and Cardassians weren't exactly welcome here. I don't think they see you as a Cardassian. I'm beginning to think they don't see any of us as who we really are. The clothes we're wearing are Bajoran. They're treating us like Bajorans. Maybe they see us as Bajorans. Any theories, old man? Some kind of cross-dimensional transfer? Our conscious minds might have been moved through time and space into the bodies of four Bajorans on Terek Nor. But then why are we still seeing each other as we really are instead of as Bajorans? I just ran out of speculation. The last thing I remember was sitting in the runabout. There was a plasma anomaly on the sensors. And then there was a sound. No, not a sound. More like a strong vibration. Hmm. I remember. Odo? I don't recall. But whatever's happened, we have to leave this place. Get off the station. Then I suggest we go directly to the authorities and explain our situation. Garak! I have knowledge of certain security codes that would be sufficient to prove that I am, in fact, a Cardassian, even if their eyes say otherwise. I could always say that I'm an undercover operative posing as a Bajoran. Captain, the authorities on Terek Nor will not be looking for reasons to help us. They will be looking for a reason to interrogate us. And believe me, you do not want to be interrogated by the Cardassians. I tend to agree with the constable. If they should discover that we are actually from the future... Goldicott's on the second level. I remember Goldicott was... Uh, Play, or excuse me, played by Mark Almo, is uh, in charge of Tarek Nor during a lot of the occupation time. So they spot him up on the second level in the promenade area there. And Odo seems especially disturbed and, and nervous and bothered by being back here in the past. And I don't think the others really are quite aware of why yet. Now Odo is bumped into uh, a Bajoran who's kind of staring at him. The guy looks like he's got a blaster wound on his chest, and then Odo doesn't see him anymore. He disappears, and it's very odd to see Odo so know. disturbed. But you should. He's always so it cool and calm. My predecessor. Oh yes, the man talking to Ducat. His name is Thrax. He was in charge of security on the promenade before me. That means we've gone back at least nine years. You, come with us. What's she done? Nothing. Yet. Perhaps there's been some misunderstanding, if I may be so bold. You may find something which will bring you infinitely more profit than the arrest of a Bajoran woman. Latinum? Two strips. Where is it? Ah, but our friend is still in your custody.
tempting offer. Maybe next time. This one's been selected. I'll be all right. Yeah, so things are not so cozy and nice here on uh, Tarek Nor at this time. Garrick just got pounded pretty hard. and Doctor. And his nose is bleeding. And guess what? In in sickbay, he's he's also got a nosebleed from, uh, even though he's unconscious and wasn't obviously struck, but uh, somehow this state that they're in is affecting their physical bodies in the present, too. Garrick, septal capillaries burst at this point. The pattern of his delta waves shows some unusual activity at the same moment. But the bleeding might be the result of some kind of psychosomatic response. You mean he thought he was injured? Under certain conditions, people have been known to alter their blood pressure, lower their body temperature, even manifest a tumor as a result of psychological stimuli. Could these stimuli cause more serious injuries? I don't think he could spontaneously break a bone, but he could certainly stop his heart or break a key blood vessel in his brain. But what is causing all of this? At the risk of repeating myself, I just don't know. Back from the gate. He said she's been selected. What the hell does that mean? Random interrogation, forced labor relocation. It could be anything. That's not good enough. I want to know where they've taken her. But before we can help Commander Dax, we need to find out who we are in this reality. If we could get to a computer terminal, we could ask for a simple ID scan. Computer access was extremely limited on Terraknor. Yeah, what about a Cardassian complink? <laughs> sort of, uh... Pretty good advantage here that they have Garrick aboard with them on this little mission. The gentleman who thought my nose needed adjustment. I see I'm going to have to add the word pickpocket to your resume. It's only a hobby. Interesting that a simple tailor should just happen to have a high-level security coat. Yes, isn't it? And if my nose didn't hurt so much, I'd tell you a fascinating story about how I came to possess it. Ah, yes. A captain, you are actually a Bajoran electronics engineer. You're 38 years old, you have no criminal record, your family resides in Rikantha province, and your name is Ishan Che. Hmm. Lucky me. I'm an artist. I'm 55, I've been arrested three times for disturbing the peace. I must be incorrigible. I also reside in Rikantha, and my name is Jiller Guita. Odo seems to be recognizing ah, these yes. names. His profession is... I'm a bookkeeper. 46 years old. I have a wife and two sons in Rakanta province. And my name is Timor Landi. That's right. How'd you know that? Odo. Congratulations, gentlemen. You get to work today. And you'll be laboring in the finest establishment on the station. My establishment. Twelve hours of work, two five-minute breaks, one slip of latinum each. Let's go. So we've got Can you hear me? I'm offering you work. What are you waiting for? No, nothing. Just show us the way. <clears throat> 
Open it. Start by stepping through the gate that the nice man has opened for you. Very good. You three must be warp engineers. Now, we're going to walk down the promenade to the bar. Would you like me to hold your hands, or can you manage it? We'll manage. <laughs> I'm so glad. You remember How Quark. much damage would it do to the timeline if Quark were to suffer a mysterious accident? I'm not sure. But maybe we should conduct a little experiment and find out. So yeah, Cork was still there, uh, you know, having Cork's bar and all that, even during uh, a good part of the occupation. And uh, the Cardassians kind of allowed that to go on. And, and you Lita. know, he's a businessman. Look at me when I speak to you, Lita. So they brought Dax in and kind of having sure her spin around in front of Gold Ducats. Obviously, this is uh, probably not something Dax is too happy about. Cannot. So he wants her to uh, go over, pour him a drink of Kinar, and you know, uh, let's uh, you know, let's just talk. Have you ever had Kinar? No. Well, then this is an occasion. You're trembling. Despite what you may have heard, I'm a fair man, Lita. Rest assured, you have nothing to fear from me. I did not bring you here to be abused. Then why am I here? It may surprise you to hear this, but my position is a lonely one. I'm isolated from the people who live under my protection. I require someone to talk with. A good part of uh, in you short, know, what goes on in this episode is is making Golducat not quite the villain that you, you know. Want me to be your friend. He seems Ironic, to always be. That I should choose a simple Bajoran girl to share my inner thoughts with. Ah, but Golducat's always kind of had a thing for Bajorans, Kira and others. I think you'll find that I'm a complicated man. You're different than I imagined. To the beginning of your education. Everything's tidy when someone else is doing the cleaning. The Bajorans were much more suited for this sort of thing than we were. Servile work is in their nature. I'll remember to mention that to Major Kira when we get back 
There are exceptions to every rule. Odo is still having trouble. He keeps seeing things and, and they are definitely haunting him. The smell is making me sick. How did you know your name would be Timor Landy in this... this whatever this is? I recognized the other two names from the security files kept during the occupation. Timor, Ishan, and Jalur were the names of three Bajorans who were accused of attempting to assassinate Gul Dukat on the promenade. Half the resistance tried to kill Dukat. Yeah, These that's... three were innocent. However, no one knew that at the time, and Dukat wanted to make an example of them, so he had them led out onto the promenade and publicly executed. If we're them. If we're them, we better find a way out of here before Dukat makes an example out of us. Yeah, so obviously Odo knows this story. These guys are, are in, going Mark. to... Possibly as the people they were originally from, uh, try to kill Dukat and get morning, caught I, and then Captain executed. Labara, I believe. I had a lot of visitors this morning. It was a busy day. I'm surprised you're being so indiscreet. Captain Lavar is a known smuggler. You don't say. Such a nice, friendly man, too. I guess you never can tell what some people are really like. Rumor has it that the Obsidian Order has had him under surveillance for several months. The Obsidian Order? Rumor also has it that they're bringing in all of Lavar's co-conspirators for questioning. Well, you know how rumors are. Yes. They're usually true. So, when the Order asks me for a list of all of Lavar's known associates on board the station... He was here for ten minutes. He wanted to unload a shipment of Mirage crystals. But I wasn't interested. <laughs> I can't move Mirage crystals. The Cardassians don't like them. You'll recognize this uh, actor, uh, Kurtwood Smith, is uh, so the voice of this car, or the playing this Cardassian right. here that's talking to uh, Cork. And that's all. That's all. He played the Federation president so. in, in Star Trek VI. Because if I find out that you've been dealing in illegal crystals, I'll hand you over to the order myself. Always a pleasure. I see you're not the first man around here to keep Quark on his toes. Yes. Something's wrong. Thrax talked about a Captain Labara. Does that name mean something to you? Lavaro wasn't just another smuggler. He was a Romulan spy and didn't begin working in this sector until seven years ago. But seven years ago, Thrax wasn't on Terok, nor you were Odo. An odd contradiction. So I checked the date. This is seven years ago. Thrax shouldn't be here. You should be the security chief. But none of this makes any sense, Garrick. Now I suggest we concentrate on finding a way out of here. That's our priority. So they're realizing things are not quite exactly the way they should be. We need to contact the Bajoran resistance. They might be able to get us off the station. Maybe even to the Federation. 
resistance used on Tarak Noor to set up a meeting. Once we're finished here, we'll head back to the Jorin sector, and I'll make the signal. Do a good job of redressing and, and making Deep Space Nine look a lot different than uh, it was on the, uh, you know, obviously on regular Deep Space Nine. Looks a lot uh, more, again, just filled with more people, kind of misty and dirty and grimy. This is basically, you know, the where the Cardassians put all the real troublemakers and it was more or less a prison during the occupation of Bajor. They're all there, uh, the sitting down, having style, a little very watery-looking soup. It's simple and effective. And they did it for years, right under the Cardassians' noses. Not under my nose, Captain. Under his. Dax is all right. Look at him. The commander of Terok Noor. Just another swaggering, self-important girl with too much vanity and not enough ability. Maybe. But he's no fool. Odo is, uh... Looking at his hands, and he sees that they look like they have blood on them, but they really don't. He's he's again having sort of a, you know, he's seeing things, you know, that aren't really true and aren't really there. You wanted a meeting? Don't look at me. Eat your soup. I didn't think you would come while Dukat was here. Everyone's watching our gentle dictator stroll the promenade with his new girlfriend. I hate soup, and I have no intention of finishing this entire bowl. So whatever you want, let's hear it. We need to get off the station. Why? Does it matter? Yes, as a matter of fact, it does. We're not a commuter service. If you're running from a dispute over chemicals or women or smuggling, you're on your own. If you've killed one of the spoonheads... Spoonheads? Eric. It's a different matter. We're not who we seem to be. I hope not, because you seem to be wasting my time. Let's just say we're involved with the Federation. Let me guess. You're Starfleet agents, operating undercover, posing as indigent Bajorans who happen to be... So there's an ex obviously an explosion that just happened. Dax is injured. We, we, we can't stay here. You take care of it. Oh, we, we must go. And they rush over, and they all get arrested, basically, by the Cardassians. So things are just not quite the same, too. Odo sort of knows what's going to happen, but things aren't exactly happening the way he recalls. They put us in our own cell block instead of with the common criminals. After all, we are accused of attempting to assassinate the station commander. That deserves <laughs> some respect. Maybe they'll salute when they execute us. 
Like uh, Garrick always is, you know, kind of funny. Even when bad things happen, he always maintains this, like, I'm better than everyone <laughs> attitude. He's like... Bryn Tusk and Morant Kobar. Your sentence is five years hard labor. Trial to confirm the sentence will be held at 1,700 hours. Benton Vec, your fine has been paid and you'll be free to go within the hour. Lovo, Horace, Romera, Pellin, and Graham. You are being transferred to Cardassian authorities on Bajor for interrogation. So that was one of the cells there that uh, this uh, on-station security guy, played by Kurtwood Smith, talks You came aboard the station about. two days ago from the Rakantha province. Yesterday, you paid a visit to the chemist shop and then fell asleep on the promenade. Last night, you were hired as a cleanup crew by the Ferengi. And after you were paid, you went back to the Bajoran sector and attempted to murder Guldakat with a chambered plasma grenade. We were sitting at a table eating when the grenade went off. There were witnesses. And the witch have come forth. Why would the witnesses risk their lives for three strangers? They're out there, but you have to go look for them. Epidermal scans reveal the presence of trinitrogen chloride on your hands and clothing. TNC is one of the components in plasma grenades. TNC is also a cleaning solution, which is what we were using in Quarks. Or you use the opportunity of working at Quarks to obtain the TNC in the first place. You all have ties to the Bajoran underground. You have three cousins who are known members of the Resistance. Five of your friends are suspected sympathizers. After 50 years of occupation, is there anyone left on Bajor who doesn't have some tie to the Resistance? Quiet! That may be true. But you were seen rushing toward Dukat after the explosion. Everyone else was running away. I wanted to help my friend. She was injured in the blast. The report of the Cardassian Guard states that you were found over the body of Gul Dukat attempting to strangle him. That's a lie. Interrogate the troops yourself. Don't just take their report at face value. I don't interrogate members of the Cardassian military. Then run a ballistic analysis of the explosion. If you examine the fragmentation dispersal pattern, you'll find that we couldn't have thrown the grenade from our position at the table. It had to have come from quiet. Quiet down. Odo seems to know a lot about there this is incident. There sufficient evidence for a conviction. All of which is circumstantial. Go beneath the surface. Conduct a real investigation. This investigation is over. Your case is going before a special tribunal this afternoon. You will be informed of the sentence just before it meets. No, wait! I need to talk to you. Let me talk to you alone for just a moment. Please, listen to me! That's enough. So obviously Odo is very familiar with this explosion, this blast, this attempt on Gul Dukat's life, and he's trying to convince the, the guy, you know, don't believe what you're seeing here. Don't just take things at face value. Now we're back with Dukat, who seems pretty okay, and Dax, who's eating. I'm glad to see you have your appetite back. I don't get to eat like this very often. I've wanted to increase rations in the Bajoran sector for some time now. But the resistance makes it almost impossible to show any sort of kindness to your people. You really want to help my people, don't you? Yes, of course. The Bajorans are 
Well, they're like my children, I suppose. And yeah, well, he's, you know, again, Ducat ends up uh, having a uh, a child with Bajoran at one point in the future. Uh, you still future. feel that way now, after some of your children have tried to kill you. Bad manners are the fault of the parent, not the child. My weaknesses are too generous, too forgiving. My heart is too big. Oh. So is your ego. So Dax just knocked yes, out Ducat and, and trying to access the uh, computer see, station. I was surgically altered to appear Bajoran. But what if genetic scans show no Cardassian DNA in my cellular structure? In that case, I'll suggest... Tell me about Thrax. What do you want to know? Something about his background. He seems unusual. Doesn't have that casual brutality I've come to expect from Cardassian security officers. What makes Thrax different? I wouldn't know he was gone by the time I came aboard the station. Which brings up a good point. Why is he here now? Garrick said that you were the security chief during this time. You're implying that I should know the answers, that I'm holding back information? I'm saying that maybe you know more than you think you do. You lived here on Terak Nor. You're supposed to be out there now instead of Thrax. Think, Odo. There might be some connection between you and what's happening here. I don't know. Miss me? So Dax just sort of uh, melted out the back wall panel a little bit to uh, allow them to escape. Ducat's personal shuttle is in docking bay three. What about the station defense system? I've got the computer tied up in knots. I don't think they'll be able oh. to. Now they're struggling with some Cardassian guards here that found them. Garrick just shot one of them, but Dax got hit. I always like it when Cisco fights. Some good old Kurt double fist moves. And now it looks like Thrax is a changeling. He just changed into the, you know, little changeling goo and went up the panel. Oh, a changeling? We'll figure that out later. Here it is. And Dax is okay. Looks like it was just uh, kind of a shoulder wound. And they looked like they tried to make it to the shuttle, but we now... just got the word. Your execution's been scheduled for 1900. That's two hours from now. They're all somehow back into in the prison cell in the you know holding chamber, even though they had just made their way to Ducat shuttle. So things changed, uh, even though they We've were. Got made... to find another way out of here. I don't think they We've can tried that. now. Escape doesn't seem to be the answer. How could Thrax be a changeling? This time period, the founders didn't know about the wormhole. I don't know. Uh, putting aside the newest shapeshifter in town for the time being, how did we end up back in this cell? I don't know. Care to guess? 
What makes you think I have the answer? You've been acting strangely ever since we first woke up on the promenade. Continually distracted, depressed, and agitated. And you knew the names of the people we're supposed to be. You knew the details of the case like you were there. But you couldn't have been there because it happened before you came aboard the station. Everything seems to lead back to you, and I want to know why. You said you wanted to see me? Yes, it's urgent. So the Thrax guy just comes in and takes Odo away to talk to uh, I'm listening, but I don't have the rest. much time. You're about to make a very serious mistake. Because you're innocent, of course, all of you. That's right, and I can prove it. Compare this attack to recent bombings on Bajor. You'll find a similarity to four incidents in Musala province, none of which we could have done. This proves nothing. And under Cardassian law, the accused must prove his innocence. <sighs> Since the evidence in this case is sufficient to warrant conviction, the investigation is over. Your job is to find the truth, not obtain convictions. Truth. You want the truth. All right, the truth is that none of you would be accused, none of you would even be here if the Bajorans weren't fighting the Cardassians. It's futile. The occupation has lasted for 50 years, and it will probably last another 50. I wouldn't be too sure about that. Why not just <laughs> accept it? That's true. If the Bajoran people would accept their place in history, None of this would be happening. We are talking about the attempt on Gul Dukat's life, not the socio-political ramifications of the resistance. It's all part of the same problem. When your people resort to terrorism and violence, they're fighting against order, against stability, against the rule of law, and this must be stopped. There is more to life than the rule of law. It has been my observation that only the guilty make that kind of statement. <sighs> See, Odo has sort of changed over the years, and if you haven't figured it out yet, he's kind of fighting himself in this episode. But we are not terrorists. We're not even Bajorans. There's been a temporal displacement of some kind. We don't belong in this time. We're from the future. I know. You know? Then what are you going to do about it? What I am supposed to do. Nothing more, nothing less. The question is, what are you going to do, Odo? So he called him by his real name, and it's like... He shouldn't know that. And now Odo is sort of seeing and reliving all these different scenes from what's going on in his past. And he's seeing it's this too late for them now. execution point. It's out of my hands. Why aren't I with them? There were only three terrorists, Odo. You know that. This is the price for taking up arms against those who would protect you, who have only your best interests at heart. They haven't done anything, they don't belong here. So this guilt has just been overwhelming and eating at Odo all these years. The execution. No, I'm not going to let this happen again. Not again! You can't execute them. You don't even belong here. I do. 
So Odo's been sort of been able to change this, but now they're all watching these three get executed. As the Odo of Tarek Nor watches. So he's reliving his past and uh, a very bad point in his past where three innocents were executed, even though evidence sort of made it look like they had attempted to kill Gul Dukat. That's exactly how it happened seven years ago. It was you all along. Yes. I was chief of security on the promenade. I was the one who charged those men with a crime they didn't commit. And I was the one who turned them over to Dukat. Three days after the executions, there was another bombing on the promenade identical to the one that almost killed Dukat. Timor, Ishan, and Julur were innocent. All the evidence was there. The inconsistencies in the reports of the soldiers who arrested them. A pattern of bombings, the ballistics. It was all there from the beginning. But I was too busy, too concerned with maintaining order and the rule of law. I thought of myself as the outsider, a shapeshifter who cared for nothing but justice. It never occurred to me that I could fail. But I did, and I never wanted anyone to know the truth. That seven years ago, I allowed three innocent men to die. And after Odo admits that, the uh, the others vanish, and uh, constable, and now they're back aboard. Whatever uh, it is you've been through has taken its toll. They're all waking up now in sick bay. As far as I can tell, the four of you were locked into some version of the Great Link. The Link? How is that possible? I'm a solid now. Well, it seems you're not as solid as you think. When I ran a neurochemical scan of your brain, I found residual traces of morphogenic enzymes, which I've only detected before in changelings. When the plasma storm hit the runabout, it activated the enzymes and initiated a telepathic response. Your mind reached out to find other changelings to form the link, but all it could find was Cisco, Dax, and Garrick. And just before the accident, I was thinking about the executions. Somehow being in the link must have forced me to relive it and admit the truth about what I'd done. It would make a fascinating paper. Although I don't intend to write one. If you have any questions, uh, you know where to find me. So now Kira walks in and uh, to see Odo. When I first read your report, I didn't know what to think. So I said to myself, it's all right, Norris, you're stunned. You need to let it sink in a little. But it's been two days. 
Odo. I still don't know what to think. I'm guilty. What more is there to say? Maybe nothing. Maybe a lot. I believed in you. A lot of people did. You were special. You were the one man who stood apart from everyone else. The one man who stood for justice. Now what? Now I'm just another imperfect solid. Okay. The prophets know I'm not perfect. I guess the truth is that anyone who lived through the occupation had to get a little dirty. But I need to know that no other innocent people died on your watch, Otto. That this was the only time. I'm not sure. I hope so. So that's it. Things passed. Uh, a real good episode focusing on Odo and showing us some more things back on Tarek Nor. I, I really like the idea of this episode of being able to sort of relive your past and, and sort of look at mistakes maybe that you discovered. And somebody like that, that's got, you know, a lot of power and authority like Odo had at that time. I mean, you're, you're making like life and death decisions and calls like every day. And eventually, you know, a mistake is going to be made or more. And then if you find out about them later, you know, how, how does that affect you? How do you deal with that and, and kind of live with it and go on? And I, I, again, I think it's really good. And, you know, one of the things I think they were trying to do with this episode was make Odo just a little less, a little less perfect and, 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 and just always knowing the right thing and, and just just being as, as, as you know, never making a mistake i guess uh, like he usually seems to and you know everyone tries no one wants to make a mistake you you, you hear sometimes you'll hear uh, stories in the news about you know people that they've discovered uh, through evidence over the years that were put in prison for you know some crime and then they they realize later on that they didn't do it you know executions and and the death penalty at least in the united states is not very common and and there tends to be a whole lot of checks and balances, and I'm not going to get into a lot of that, but, uh, it, you know, there aren't too many just, you know, hey, well, you did this, we're going to we're going to kill you. And, of course, during Deep Space Nine and when Tarek Nora was in place and the Cardassians were there, if you were accused of a crime, especially one as much as trying to uh, kill off Gul Dukat, you know, and they, they had some evidence, you were probably going to be executed. They weren't going to mess around. It was basically a time of war and occupation. And things happen during those times that may not normally happen under different circumstances, let's say. So, I, you know, I think it's kind of a timely episode with some things that have been going on in the world. And uh, and that is not why I picked it. I just think it's a really interesting one. And I love Rene Auberginois as, as Odo. I think he's one of the most interesting, fascinating characters on uh, Deep Space Nine. So I, I always like uh, episodes about him. And it's always fun to see an episode that shows... Uh, DS9 back when in the days of Tarek Noor. So there you go. And uh, that's things past. And now I am going to take a little break during this time. 
Uh, I'm going to play uh, next for you here just a little bit from Rick Moyer about this episode and a few other things that he's been working on lately. And I'll be back uh, with a quick look at uh, that QMX phaser uh, with my comments on that along with Brian. So uh, here's Rick Moyer, and I'll be back shortly. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen. Just wanted to say thank you for reviewing the episode Things Passed from DS9. I don't know, there was something about this episode that was kind of cool just because we got to see Deep Space Nine in a completely different type of light as Tarek Nor. Always liked that. I liked when they did that once in a while. They would they would uh, go to the Cardassian-occupied Deep Space Nine, and we got to see it that way. Anyway, great show. Also wanted to uh, let everybody know that um, I just released my brand new album, a compilation of music that I used on The Martians Are Here, podcast and it's available on cdbaby.com you just look up rick moyer and you'll find the martians are here podcast uh, music or you can get it on amazon and i'm working out uh, they miss they did it wrong on itunes so i'm pricing it differently the price should lower here pretty soon but if you get it on cd baby it's not so bad Uh, but head on over there and take a look if anybody is interested in it if you like the podcast you'll enjoy the the music soundtrack all sorts of stuff that I think like three and a half hours worth of music that you can really enjoy. All spacey kind of sci-fi stuff. And then last but not least, I'm recording this comment on my new iPad. Yeah, it's really cool. A bunch of my friends and and uh, I uh, helped me get it. And I, I also uh, gathered a bunch of change around my house and sold a few things I had and got an iPad that I absolutely am loving. Using GarageBand and all sorts of other cool things. And you'll hear a whole bunch of stuff, creative stuff that I'll be doing for you on treks and sci-fi so stay tuned for that all right everybody thanks again for listening and uh what a great podcast treks and sci-fi is don't you agree it rocks rico you rock see you later man well thanks very much rick always great to hear from you and you got an ipad too that's that's fantastic i'm uh I'm a little jealous. I still want to get one. Hopefully, get one soon, maybe in the next month or two. Uh, and uh, and you were you recorded your comment on that and using GarageBand and all. I have to. Uh, I want to say to others that use those, um, Rick. I don't know how you did this if you just did it through GarageBand. And I believe that's that's an app. I think that you have to download. I don't think it comes pre-installed. Maybe it did come pre-installed on the iPad. I'm not sure on the iPad too. But uh, you sent me your file in an MP3 format, and if anyone else uses that, uh, uses an iPad 2 to record something, if you can send comments, audio comments to me in MP3 format, they work a lot easier to to insert into the podcast than than the other uh, M4 type, uh, what is it, M4A files, audio for, files that I have to uh, convert over. So, you know, anyway, you can just send me an MP3. A, a good old standard MP3 file for audio is is best. So, thank you, and uh, yeah, enjoy the iPad too. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, move on to uh, this week's collectible review, which I've uh, been trying to get back into. Uh, we're going to look at the QMX stunt of movie phaser from the 09 Abrams movie. I just got this a few days ago. From it's made by QMX, 
and it, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, this is a little different than some other uh, prop replicas and, and, and collectibles that I've gotten over the years from, you know, good old master replicas and other places for, for a couple of reasons. One, this is just considered to be a a stunt phaser replica, a prop replica of a, the stunt version of, of the weapon that's used in the movie. Now, if, for those not familiar with this kind of terminology, um, the, uh, there are various props that are, that are made for movies. And, and sometimes they're referred to as, as stunt props, and others are sort of called the hero props or hero repli replicas. And the difference basically, and, and it's pretty easy to figure out, a stunt prop is something that's just made for those long shots in the movies or TV shows. No real close-up detail. They, they look, you know, size, shape, fit, color, you know, everything about them should look good enough to, to uh, you know, clip on a belt like a phaser would and then use that uh, in in various scenes. But if you're going to do a close-up shot of someone shooting it, you want to use a hero prop, which is a lot more, you know, uh, more detailed, a lot more expensive to create. Sometimes it will contain moving parts even. And when the uh, replica companies make these, actually most of the, the you know, quote-unquote hero props that things like Master Replicas put out, a lot of their functionality and things, especially with the Trek stuff, is a lot more than any of the props ever did in any of the movies or TV shows. A lot of that stuff is put in post-production. So just to get some of the terminology out of the way, this this stunt prop that uh, QMX has just put out from the movie Replica Phaser is just that. It, it, it's it's a uh, more or less a resin or plastic prop. It's, it's still very heavy in, in weight, and it's metal-plated. So it looks pretty really good it looks really nice there are you know some minor little defects with with some of the paint job in a couple of spots but that is consistent with the way these these stunt replicas are created i don't think there's anything really drastic about it it's not like half of it didn't get painted or anything like that it's just little little things like that and and that's again it's still probably a lot better looking than even the stunt weapons were probably on the movie because a lot of those get banged around they get dropped they get tossed around on the on the uh the set so they end up getting by by the end pretty pretty beat up but this is a nice little piece it comes with this little plastic stand that holds it real nicely and it's got a little kind of emblem on the stand itself it's not any type of limited edition it's uh, from qmx and it only costs $50, which I think is a great deal for, for a nice little replica like this. It's a little more real, true size, I think, to the movie than the the plastic uh, toy one that was put out uh, a couple of years ago when the movie came out with the electronics and had the rotating head in it. Uh, the, that one was still pretty neat. It was just chrome-plated plastic, though, and, and this one actually feels a little more realistic in a way. It doesn't have any moving parts or electronics. The, the, the front head doesn't spin or anything like that. And uh, But it, it looks nice on the stand, and it's a nice little replica to have. So if you're a fan of this kind of stuff, uh, definitely pick this up. Even though it's not a limited production, I, I think you want to get one when you can. And uh, there are various places that are selling them. You go to QMX Online, I think is the website. I'll put a link in the podcast notes about that and, and pick up one and buy one now. So And it comes in a nice little box. I want to warn people, if you do order this from QMX, I don't know from other places if you order from a secondhand dealer, but if you order it from QMX, make sure you look in the shipping box in the little peanuts because there's a little tiny little spaceship that's sort of like the icon and symbol for QMX, the company that makes these. It's kind of like a little keychain thing, but you got to look for, through the peanuts. And I almost didn't find it. I didn't even know about it and didn't look for it. I still had the box sitting over on the floor here. 
But I looked over on the replica prop forum and people talking about this replica. And a couple of guys mentioned, you know, to make sure to look through the packing material for this tiny, tiny little rocket ship uh, that they send in, too. So that was kind of neat, I thought. Um, but I'm going to uh, turn this over now to Brian, the other uh, one of the other big collectors who's a forum member, and his comments about this replica and a couple other things uh, from QMX and a couple other things he's gotten recently uh, in the prop area and collectible area. So take it away, Brian, and I'll come back after Brian's done and wrap up today's podcast. Hey, my man, Rico. It's Brian. How are you, my brother? So I wanted to send in a little collectible review for you. Um, I've actually gotten a couple little things recently, and uh, I know that uh, you're probably going to do a review of the QMX Phaser, which I also received uh, in this week's show. So, um, But to bring everyone up to speed, I did post this on the forum. I scored off of eBay a um, Halcyon model of the Nostromo from the original Alien movie. It's, uh, it's a kit that's no longer made. Um, they normally go on eBay for about 200 bucks. They're really nice. They're about 15 inches long, very detailed, very heavy, um, really, really well put together. This particular one I got is, uh, is actually built professionally and painted. Um, and the guy who painted it and built it did a great, great job. And I was able to pick it up for about 110 bucks on eBay. So I'm really excited. I've always loved the Nostromo. Um, I think it's such a great looking design and kind of so unique in terms of sci-fi ships and uh, so I'm real happy to have this and I posted up some pictures of it on the forum if anyone would like to go take a look as well as a three-part YouTube video which uh, chronologues the restoration project of the original filming miniature although it's not really much of a miniature it's about eight feet long it's uh, uh, not the I think the prop store of London is going to be auctioning it off and they're having it rebuilt and it's just it's amazing to see the restoration of it and see the actual filming miniature and then I have my own little miniature here that I can enjoy and and sit in my model closet until I get myself my own man cave <laughs> anyway um, the other thing I got was the QMX phaser but actually this is the second thing from QMX that I've gotten gotten in the past I don't know two weeks or so I got Jamie for her birthday the QMX keychain of the Firefly um, as a fun little gift for her. So QMX makes this little miniature replica of the Firefly, and it's a keychain, and that's uh, that was her birthday present. Um, although I found out afterwards that what she really wanted was a new triathlon bike, so I must have uh, missed the memo on that one. Anyway, so I've got the QMX phaser. This is the uh, stunt phaser. It's a static replica, metal-plated. And the first thing that I have to say is, wow, it's big and it's heavy. And it's a really, really nice-looking replica. Um, a little bit of overspray on some of the, the paint, just a touch um, on some of the detail. But it, uh, all in all, for 50 bucks, i got to say, I think this is a really good purchase. Um, it comes with a nice stand. Um, the stand actually reminds me, Rico, of the stands that Jay Husel over on the Replica Prop Forum makes for um for phasers and for communicators i have one of his his metal machine stands and they're the same sort of a loop shape but uh this one's plastic and it comes with a little plaque that says uss enterprise qmx stunts a uh, phaser on it the phaser doesn't do anything it, like i said it's static it doesn't have the revolving barrel which is kind of a which would be kind of neat to have one with a revolving barrel but that certainly would push up the price and having one with electronics and maybe at some point they will um, but again, for the price, you know, when you consider that Massive Replicas sells lightsaber hilt replicas that are static for a lot more money, I think this is a great buy. And I'm sure people will be able to find these with maybe using some discount codes and pick them up even cheaper. 
Um, I'm just amazed how big it is. You know, when, watching the movie, I guess you can, you can really tell that they are pretty big. Um, the only other uh, cop, uh, version of this phaser I had was the, uh, the Playmates one that's really tiny in comparison. I'm actually sort of looking at the two side by side, and it's, I gotta say, the, the QMX one is at least, I don't know, 15, 20% bigger um, than the Playmates one. So, again, nice little purchase. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to hearing your review of it. And as always, Live long and prosper, my brothers, from Treks and Sci-Fi. Well, thanks very much for your uh, review and comments. Brian, always great to hear from you. Brian just won a big uh, big triathlon uh, over this weekend, and I want to say congrats to him for that. Uh, he's our, our resident uh, anti-geek. Uh, well, that's not the right way to put it. He, he is the fittest geek you will ever find, I think. So, uh, But thanks so much for sending in your audio comment, and Brian, I, I always like to hear from you know people about what they are collecting, and uh, I, I, I know you're a big fan of uh, these kinds of things, too, and I know you you appreciate the lower costness of the uh, QMX uh, prop and, and, and uh, stunt-type stuff like this. And they're doing some Star Wars things, too. Uh, some uh, stunt uh, lightsaber hilts like Brian mentioned and other things too. So check out their website and uh, see what you you find that you might like. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Just a couple of last-minute comments. Uh, I want to say that uh, uh, donations are always welcome via PayPal. Anything you want to send, a few dollars, uh, you know, for a one-time shot, or maybe a couple of dollars or a few dollars each month, you can find those links over at treksinsci-fi.com. And also, uh, iTunes reviews are always welcome, too. And email, uh, if you want to send me a comment about anything, uh, whatever the subject is for the week or other things, book reviews, TV shows, movies, all that kind of stuff, treksf at gmail.com. And the last thing I want to say is upcoming on the podcast, the schedule is right now as as I speak, set for next weekend. I'm going to talk a little bit about Motor City Comic Con. I'm going there next Saturday. I already mentioned that. Probably just be an audio cast. I'd like to do another video cast for the Comic Con, but I just did one last week, and I think we're just going to do audio only. Hopefully I'll be able to snag some uh, little audio from some of the talks from some of the Trek celebs and things at the show. So that's next week on the podcast. Then the weekend of May 22nd, I'm going to look at the TNG episode, an early one from Season 1 called We'll Always Have Paris. Kind of focused on Picard and and a, a former love of his life, so that's a fun one. And then on the Memorial Day weekend, uh, Memorial Day for the States, uh, we're going to look at the first Tron movie. Jedi Jeff and I are going to do a joint cast where we look at the first Tron movie for all of you. So that's coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. Everyone, I'm out of here. Take care. Oh, one last thing. If you were a fan of my casual kind of Attic of My Mind podcast, I finally did a new one. This past week I had some time uh, and I did a new one and it's mostly about jobs and and my employment situation over the last uh, few months and last year or so. So uh, check that out. Uh, You can find it over at atticofmymind.com or search for it on iTunes. And that's it. I'm out of here. Everyone take it easy. I will talk to you all again next week. Bye-bye.
This has been a Wego Dusty Podcast Production.